0: And we welcome you into episode number 11 of the best podcast available. We are officially one week away from what has seemed like in an eternity away. And now just one week till the 2021 NFL draft here in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble. This is the best podcast available coming up uh, on the program today. We will be talking with Charlie Yook. He is the NFL Network Vice President of Production. He is running the NFL draft coverage for NFL Network starting next week. A uh, Miami University graduate of Ohio, that is. So a fellow Maction member. He will join us coming up in just a few minutes. Right now, though, he is joining us right on the screen below. His name is Dane Brugler, and he is the draft guru. And... He is the author of this, this, (laughs) 267 pages, bosses, eh, they might have a problem with me printing it, Dane, but no big deal. The draft analyst from the athletic and a big time contributor to the Cleveland Browns and our draft coverage. Once again, this year, Dane Brugler joins us and Dane appreciate the time. Congratulations on that, especially with the fact that I believe you have a wife that is pregnant with twins going <laughs> on right now.
1: I, I do. A very uh, beautiful and understanding wife uh, who is pregnant with twins. So, uh, no, I appreciate it. It's it's awesome to be on with you guys. This is, uh, it's been a challenging process. You know, it's just been, everything's been different about this this draft year. Uh, you know, just like everything else in the world. So uh, it's been a little different, but I'm very, very proud that we've made it up to this point where we're a week out and it's almost here. And pretty soon we'll be talking about, the fits and how guys are going to, you know, mix in well with uh, each organization, especially the Browns. Uh, But for another week, we get to talk about what what could be.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and there's a lot that could be happening in in the next week. A lot still to be determined. We think we know what's going on at pick one and pick two. After that, buckle up, kids. It's going to be an interesting one. Your thoughts on how this draft is shaping up one week to go here before the draft? Well, I think you, you set it up. I think correctly, uh, we feel
1: pretty confident that Trevor Lawrence will be the pick at number one to the Jaguars and Zach Wilson will be the pick number two uh, to the Jets. And then that's where the draft starts. And, you know, the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, they've been going around the country, uh, you know, go see Mac Jones at his pro day, his second pro day. Same thing with Justin Fields in Columbus, Trey Lance in Fargo uh, this past week. And I don't think it's a a case of smoke screens. It's not, you know, we we know what's happening one and two. This is just a case of the 49ers doing their due diligence. And they traded up from 12 to three with a specific quarterback in mind. And now it's just about keeping an open mind, uh, but also doing extra work on all these guys just to make sure they have it down, who they're taking is who they want. Because um, we have to remember area scouts have not been on the road uh, in the fall. Uh, you know, without the combine this year, teams haven't had a chance to sit down with these guys and go through the film and put them on the whiteboard just to get a better sense for uh, how they, how they think, how they view the field, what what they know, what they don't know. Um, they've had plenty of virtual visits, you know, uh, through zoom and that type of thing, but we know there's, that's not quite the same. And so, a chance to see more eyes on these on these players, these quarterbacks uh, will help the 49ers make their decision, playing things very close to the vest. Uh, we're still kind of guessing which quarterback they might prefer. Uh, number three, but you know, a lot of noise. Uh, most of the buzz out there among NFL teams is Mac Jones. And so uh, right now he seems to be the favorite just by what you know the league tells us. But I don't think I'd be surprised if any of those uh, three quarterbacks—Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones—if any of those uh, quarterbacks was announced as the pick at number three, w- would not be surprised.
2: It, with with the time winding down to the drafting, does that, does it is it feel like a normal draft still, or does this does the effects of last year will it hang over this draft uh, all the way until it it, it happens?
1: Yeah, there's definitely been some different uh, parts of this. Not having the combine was obviously a, a huge step missing. Um, you know, we we had the senior bowl, which is great. Uh, that was some sense of normalcy. Um, the pro day circuit was, uh, you know, somewhat normal. So that was nice. But not having the combine, that was obviously, uh, you know, a, a big missing step in what we're usually used to uh, of evaluating these guys. So that that's that's something that teams have been working through, but for the most part, I think they feel good. I think really the biggest thing is uh, getting a chance to know these players uh, without those facility visits. I don't think uh, you know people realize how important those are. Uh, You know, each year in a normal year, uh, teams bring in they're they're each allowed to bring in thirty players to the facility. uh, Usually in the month of March, sometimes in April and just get to know them better not just as the players but as people you know do they argue they going to mesh with the coaching staff uh you know culture wise are they a fit and a lot of times you know, a player will leave uh, from his visit and you kind of cross them off the list It's just it, not exactly a fit and, th- and that's okay um but not having those facility visits this year uh even pro days sometimes you know you would arrive a day early take a player out for dinner Can't do that this year. Uh, Maybe you could bump into him five minutes after his uh, pro day for a quick chat. That's it. Uh, For the most part, it's all virtual visits this year, which is certainly different. And so I think getting to know the player uh, is one thing, but getting to know the the people, each one of these these guys off the field, that's the biggest uh, hurdle this year that's different than most years. And really, why we might see some teams be a little more conservative, uh, maybe with the uh, you know some guys you know aren't squeaky clean off the field, and so maybe some teams, uh, other teams, might not be willing to take a chance on a guy like that, especially early in the draft. They might be willing or might be leaning towards being a little more conservative with a player or person that they have a good feel about uh, who they are and. Uh, you know, how they'd be a fit. So I think that's the biggest difference in in between normal years and this year is just the limited amount of opportunities to get these guys, get to know these guys as people.
2: Shifting the focus to the Browns, when you're a team like the Browns that are coming off a playoff year, bringing back a lot of guys, signed a lot of guys in free agency, is it possible still to draft the best player available? Or do you, when you look at the board, does it have to be need-based when you're approaching this as the Browns right now?
1: Well, and in the first round, you want to take the best player. Um, but when you're picking late first round, that kind of it, it, maybe that's a, a moving target a little bit because, you know, most in most drafts, teams have around 20 first round grades. So once, you know, when your Browns picking a 26, uh, you know, I, I think generally you look at picks 21 through 40 and say, eh, kind of the same, you know, kind of on a similar playing field uh, in terms of overall grade. And so you might be willing to, uh, you know, reach a little bit for a need. But for the most part, I, I think you have to really be reactive to how the first 25 picks play out. Um, you know, there's going to be some surprises. We know that there are every single year. And I mean, who knows? Maybe one of those first round grades will fall to you at 26. Maybe not. Uh, but, you know, I think you'll have plenty of opportunity to possibly trade back. That, that's, that's something that could happen there at 26. Um, but I think with the way that they addressed free agency, the way they answered a few of their needs there's not one position that you point to and say they have to go here in the first round. Um, And I think that the depth of this draft in certain positions uh, talking about pass rusher corner, um, even offensive line, wide receiver, even throw them in there. The depth of those positions I think will uh, allow them to not force a pick at 26, where they can feel if they don't go corner or pass rusher at 26. I, th- I think they still feel confident about who they can get in a second and third round. So I think with the depth of this class at certain positions and, you know, just the, the way they attacked the offseason up to this point, the Browns are in a position where they can really genuinely go with the best player. And, you know, who's going to make the biggest impact on this roster, not just for this year, but for the next, you know, three to five years, they can go in that direction and not feel like they have to reach on a pick.
0: Talking with Dane Bruegler, the NFL Draft Analyst for The Athletic. You can get his draft guide. 636 prospects ranked, 415 scouting reports from Dane the Beast. Go on to theathletic.com and get a subscription today. It is totally worth your time, especially if you are a big draft fan. And outside of day one, when you're trying to figure out who these guys are, the, this draft guide comes in handy more than you can ever imagine. We use it for all of our radio network coverage and, and excited to go through it here with Dane Bruegler on the best podcast available. Dane, you just talked about it, drafting for now versus drafting for the future. You touched on it a little bit. A- and how much should the Browns be looking maybe to draft more so for the future with you know the offense entirely back <laughs> and defensively a lot of holes filled via free agency.
1: Yeah. And I, I think when you look at this Browns front office uh, you, you can bet they've talked about, okay, what's the roster going to look like three years from now? Uh, you know, how do we envision the wide receiver depth chart? How do we think that offensive line is going to look three years from now? Uh, you know, who, you know, th- th- every smart organization is doing that because they're planning out. Okay. How, you know, who do we need to resign? Who needs to be a priority? Um, You know, where can we maybe, uh, you know, address this need in a different part, whether it's a draft or signing a guy, develop him and maybe let a veteran go. Uh, So they're looking at that. If you're the Browns, you're looking at that long term and you're saying, okay, well, maybe we might have a need at wide receiver uh, when you look three years from now or maybe, uh, you know, two years from now. So maybe wide receiver could be more of a need for this team than just looking on the surface and looking at the roster currently, how it's constructed. And so would it be a surprise if they went wide receiver in the first two rounds? I I don't think so. Uh, When you factor in the strength of this draft being wide receivers and some of the talent, if the right wide receiver were to fall to them at 26 or in the second round, you know, you could see them, uh, you know, jumping at that chance and, you know, developing him for a year or two before he's ready to step in as a starter. And I, I think, you know, especially, you know, Browns fans, you know, they used to have in a top 10 to 12 pick uh, in most years. And so with those picks, you want an impact guy. You want a guy that's going to come in from day one and, you know, be that Jedrick Wills that makes an impact that influences, uh, you know, your, your team and the scoreboard. But when you're picking at 26, when you're picking later in the second round and you have the roster that the Browns have, which is, you know, one of the better uh, rosters in the NFL, I think I can comfortably say that, Uh, you know, you can, uh, your, your thinking starts to shift a little bit with how you, uh, you, how you draft. And it's not just about the here and now and the immediate needs it's projecting out and being prepared for every scenario. So, um, and, and of course it depends on who's there. Uh, You know, if the right player falls to you, uh, you know, you, you pull the trigger and you feel good about it uh, for not maybe right now, but for what it means long-term.
2: Dane, uh, before we get into your seven round mock with the Browns, I'll just ask you a philosophical question. The Browns, as you talked about a deep roster, uh, they're picking late in the draft. They also have nine picks. Yeah. They don't know necessarily have nine spots on the roster. What, what, what do you, what do you typically see teams in this situation do if they have more picks than roster spots and what are some options for, for the Browns and, and how to use these picks?
1: I think it really comes down to two things, Uh, you know, packaging picks to move up, Uh, you know, if they really have their say they go corner in round one and then in round two, uh, they really have an eye on a pass rusher, a specific pass rusher, and maybe you package, uh, you know, two of those day three picks to move up five spots uh, in the second round to make sure you get your guy small price to pay for, uh, you know, the right player. So I think that's certainly an option for this team. Um, But also I think, and it might be tough because I think we're going to see a lot of smart teams try and do this, but try to get picks for next year. Uh, So you're trading a fourth round pick for a third round pick next year or a fifth for a fourth. Uh, And part of that is just, you know, obviously the value of it, it getting a higher pick just at a later date, but also just the fact that next year's draft, we're going to have a better idea of, you know, uh, hoping that things are back to normal or semi back to normal next year. Um, you know, in, in next year's class is going to be a lot deeper. This year we have I think is like 650 players that have signed with agents uh, 650 prospects. Normally we're like at 1800 players that side with agents at this point. So there's just a lot of players that went back to school, uh, taking advantage of that extra year of eligibility and so Next year uh, with a normal process where, you know, they have more information on these guys, area scouts will be on campus in the fall, hopefully. And, you know, we have the combine again, have more information about some of these day three picks and then just the sheer volume of players that we'll have in next year's draft. Uh, you know that That's something that forward thinking teams are, are really uh, focusing on. And so I would not be surprised at all. If we see the Browns trade picks this year to try to get, uh, picks into next year uh, to kind of stockpile and just give them more options next year.
2: Now getting into your, your seven round mock, you've got Greg Newsom from Northwestern at one Peyton Turner, the edge rusher uh, from Houston at, in the second round. And then Alan McNeil, the defensive tackle in round three, those are three obviously big areas of need for the Browns. I mean, what do you like about each of those guys? And I guess, obviously you're projecting them to be there, but is there a guy there that you wouldn't be surprised comes off the board a lot earlier than you've got them listed there?
1: I think Greg Newsome is almost the uh, best case scenario for the Browns at 26. Yeah. Um, I, I think in some ways you look at him and it's just, uh, there's no way he's going to get there. Right. I mean, he, cause he's that, he's that good of a player, six foot, 192 pounds, uh, legit four, three speed. Uh, I call him a route magnet because he is uh, he, he stays attached uh, to wide receivers. He runs routes for them uh, really uh, quick feet. His drive quickness is outstanding. Um, I, a lot of comparisons to maybe like a Kyle Fuller, uh, you know, play a lot of years in, with the bears now with Denver, uh, just a really quality player, Th- two areas you worry about 25 passes, defended, but only one interception, uh, zero force fumbles. So you want to see more turnovers there. And then also just needs to stay healthy. And I think that may be why he could fall out of the top 25. He's missed at least three games. Each of the last three years, nothing too serious, more soft tissue injuries. It was a groin injury this past year. Uh, but still a reason, you know, cause for concern, especially for, you know, a, a team like the Browns, they know all about that. Denzel Ward missing a little bit of time here and there. It's just, it's one of those positions where uh, bigger is a little bit better just because it's, you know, in terms of coverage and, and surface area, but uh, holding up physically, uh, being a durable player is so important. And so because of that, maybe, uh, he could slip a little bit. And if he does, uh, you know, I, I think the Browns, uh, that, that value might be too good to pass up there at 26, um, uh, at pass rusher, uh, with Peyton Turner, uh, this is a, a pass rush group that's that's really interesting because we're missing those top guys in the top ten, but in the teens, in the late first round, that's where we're going to see these pass rushers come off the board. I'm sure there's going to be several pass rushers the Browns will consider at 26. Whether that's uh, you know a Jason Oway or if Aziz Ogulare gets to 26, that to me that that's a no brainer. Uh, you know we'll see if he gets that far, but if they don't go pass rusher in the first round and they wait until the second round then I I think you're maybe you're you're hoping for like a Carlos Basham. You're hoping for uh, a Peyton Turner. And that's where I had him going in the mock. Six, five and a half, almost 270 pounds, super long player, over 35 inch arms. Uh, What I loved about his film is the cranked up motor. And this guy does not quit. He's making plays. Uh, From the backside, he's making plays down the field that uh, defensive ends have no business making. But by sheer uh, effort and just the nonstop motor, he's making some of those plays. Um, He's a little high cut. And so, you know, you you see that with some of his movements. But when you have that length and I think he can be coached up, uh, there's a lot to like about, uh, you know, what he's going to bring to your roster as a sub package player, as a rookie. And then, you know, hopefully by year two, he's pushing for starter reps. And then Ali McNeil, um, I think he checks a lot of boxes with what the, the Browns could be looking for at defensive tackle. It's not a great defensive tackle here. Uh, if you're going to rank the positions, defensive tackle is probably at the bottom, uh, it just in terms of overall talent, in terms of depth. Uh, but once you get to that third round, there are some interesting options. The USC defensive tackles, uh, Milton Williams at Louisiana Tech, uh, and Ali uh, McNeil out of NC State, 6'2", 317 pounds a high school linebacker uh, who moved to the defensive line at NC state. He's still learning the position a little bit. He was a nose tackle for the Wolf pack. And, but he's not just a, a block eater, a guy that's going to occupy doubles and uh, open up things for everybody else. He has athleticism for a guy that's 320 pounds. He ran a sub five second, uh, 40 yard dash. He uh, you know, good jumps, good uh, three cone strong as an ox. Uh, there's a lot to like about McNeil. Uh, Not just what he is now, but his upside as well. He's only 20 years old. Reminds me a lot of uh, Javon Hargrave when he was coming out of South Carolina State uh, what four or five years ago. Steelers drafted him in the third round, and uh, now he's with the Eagles. But just a really quality player who's going to be part of a rotation and then uh, has a chance to be an impact starter for you.
0: Talking with Dane Brugler, draft analyst for The Athletic, and you'll see him a lot and hear him a lot in the coming days here on the Cleveland Browns' various platforms uh, as he helps us out with our draft coverage once again here in 2021. Kind enough to give us a few minutes here today on the best podcast available. I want to go back to Edge, and and Ojolari from Georgia, obviously, is a guy that I know that you've had your eye on the, the question is, scheme, does it matter? Does it not matter Three four four three, depending on what type of scheme that they play? I mean, does that factor in to whether or not he's a fit here or not? Or do you overlook that and just look strictly at the talent?
1: And I think just looking at the raw, you know, height, weight, you think, okay, well, he's a 3-4 only, play him in space. But, you know, he has 34 and a half inch arms. So he is the, he has the length of a player that's six, five, but he has the benefit of being six, two. So he can use that leverage. He can dip around the corner. Um, It's almost the ideal body type. Really. When you think about it, Um, you know, 250 pounds doesn't have the ideal, uh, you know, weight, but he's instinctive. Um, You know, I think he, he can play the run. He can play the pass. I think he can play in a fourth three, just fine uh, and, and be a productive guy. I think, You could be creative with him too. You can drop him off the line of scrimmage. Uh, You can move him around. Uh, You know whether you you can stunt and twist and do these different things with him, or just let him pin his ears back and go, and he's going to uh, challenge the corner and force tackles to be on their toes. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot you could do with Audlery, and if he's there at 26, I I, I would jump at the chance to add him uh, to my uh, you know pass rush rotation, and then you know I think he'd be a guy that's going to compete for starting reps. Um, but you know, there's a couple pass rushers in this class that are kind of like that. I mean, Jason Oway is a little bit like that. Uh Joe Tryon from Washington is a really interesting name that I don't think gets talked about a ton, but he could be in the mix there at 26. Uh, he's an opt-out this past year, 6'5, 260. He looks like an action figure. I mean, he the way he's built is just really impressive. Uh, it's kind of how you draw it up. He's got long arms, 34-inch arms, big hands. Uh, the athletic testing is outstanding production wise not gonna blow you away nine sacks in his career but again he was an opt-out so we're missing a year of development uh there for him led the team in sacks in 2019 uh there's just a lot you can do with a guy like joe tryon and once you get to that later portion of the the first round you know you get different you talk to people around the league and it's not it's, it's nothing close to a set rankings of how these pass rushers are viewed some, you know, Jalen Phillips out of Miami, not on some boards because of the injury history. Uh, you know, Gregory Rousseau out of Miami, really liked by some teams, and not even in consideration in the first round for some other teams. Uh, Jason Oway out of Penn State, who uh, is the freakiest of the freaks uh, when you talk about the natural athleticism for a guy that's 6'5", uh, 260, but zero sacks. That's, that's a number that stands out more than any other for some teams, and, you know, they question, okay, He's not the most instinctive player. Can we coach that, or is that more of he just is what he is? There's debate about Jason Oway, so no consensus on the order of these pass rushers. Uh, you know how early they should go. Uh, you know what, how many should go in the first round? Uh, it's a really interesting group of flawed but skilled uh, pass rushers this year.
2: At the corner position, we all we know about Greg Newsom, but is there a guy? that you could see that would be worth it to make the move up for a few spots. And and how much would you even have to move up to get some of those guys?
1: Yeah. Patrick Sertan and JC Horn, we expect to be the first two corners uh, drafted. And there's a good chance uh, that Sertan could be the first defensive player drafted period. Uh, You know, looking at 10 and the Cowboys, uh, you know, maybe 11 to the giants, um, 13 to the chargers, 12, the Eagles. Um, Horn, J.C. Horn, if he were to fall a little bit, I, I don't think he's going to, but if he were to fall, say, past, uh, you know, the Cardinals at 16, because I think you look at, uh, you know, 10 with the Cowboys, 12, uh, 13, and then uh, 16, all logical landing spots for J.C. Horn. If he were to get past those those spots, and so, you know, 17, 18, then maybe you start to think about it uh, with what he could bring to your team, 6'1", 205 pounds, 33-inch arms really really aggressive almost to a fault and that's kind of a double-edged sword with him is uh just how aggressive he is but at the same time you'd rather your corner be super aggressive and you kind of reel him back a little bit as opposed to the opposite where he's maybe a little too passive and you're trying to get him to be uh you know a little more fiery with how he plays so with jc horn the other thing i really like about him is you talk to the south carolina coaches and they tell you the moment he stepped on the campus as a true freshman he was part of the culture change, Uh, not even part of it. He was leading the culture change uh, as just a natural leader, um, a guy that is not as brash as his dad. He's not going to pull a a cell phone out of a sock anytime soon. Uh, Talking about Joe Horn, the the Pro Bowl wide receiver. Uh, But he is a guy that is not afraid to speak up and not afraid to lead by example. So uh, JC Horn's an easy player to like, Uh, it just, there will be some penalties. There will be some discipline issues. uh, Just talking about on the field. Uh, But, you know, as he works through that, works through those hiccups, he's going to be a really quality corner in this league.
2: Then I'll shift the focus. You mentioned wide receivers, and uh, this has become maybe slightly more possible in the last couple weeks. But is there an offensive player you could see the Browns using a first-round pick on? And is there someone you would jump at if they got to that point?
1: Yeah, I think it just – it probably depends let's, – let's just say none of those top three receivers, Jamar Chase, the two Alabama receivers uh, with uh, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. Let's say none of those three were to fall, uh, which you know seems far-fetched that they would. So none of those three receivers fall. <clears throat> is there another receiver that is at least in the conversation for the Browns if maybe their defensive board gets wiped out? Right. Um, you know, I'm sure that they're, at 26, they've got a list of five to seven names of guys they really want to see there at 26 let's say, you know, Greg Newsome and whichever pass rushers they value highly off the board at that point. But is there a wide receiver that they view as a first round player, that fourth receiver off the board, who could be worth it to them? Uh, That's kind of the question. And and that's where, you know, similar to the pass rushers, you talk to different teams, you get different opinions on who's four, five, six, seven, uh, the rankings of the wide receivers this year. Kadarius Tony out of Florida, six foot, 193 pounds. It, it just he's it, like a magician out there with some of these plays that he's uh, making guys miss uh creating after the catch just a fun player uh more gadget than polish as a route runner but still a guy that you can you know work into uh, your offense and he's going to create big plays for you uh another guy that's kind of similar but a little more a little more polished is elijah Moore out of Ole miss five nine and a half 180 pounds speed is is the big thing with him uh, legit four three athlete Uh, In Lane Kiffin's offense, they force fed him the ball and he responded in a big way. 10.8 catches per game, led the FBS last year. Um, There's a lot to like about him as a quick hitting underneath player, but he also showed that he can win deep, track the ball, sluggos, vertical routes. He can do those things as well. So Elijah Moore would be awfully enticing. Uh, and then Rashad Bateman, a different type of receiver. He's more of your savvy, uh, you know, be able to use footwork at the stem, uh, leverage coverage with, uh, you know, the, the way he uses the body, uh, the, the, the uh, route manipulation. So with Bateman, it's just a different style of uh, receiver who could come in and, and compete for uh, playing time pretty early in his career because he is an NFL ready player. But I think the argument to that is you look at the wide receiver group and it stretches second, third, fourth round. It's a deep group. So if they were to go wide receiver, I think it would be a surprise if it happened in round one, just because of some of the defensive players that should be there, but also because it's a position that they can get really good value uh, You know, in, in a second, third, fourth, uh, even in a day three. I think there's good value at that point.
0: Talking with Dane Brugler, NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. Make sure you subscribe today to The Athletic. Uh, go to theathletic.com. Get his draft guide, 267 pages, the beast that is out now, one week from now, the 2021 NFL draft. I want to double back real quick on the defensive side. Uh, linebackers, Zayvon Collins, uh, a guy that all of a sudden is rocketing up the boards in, in Jameen Davis from Kentucky. Uh those two players, I know Zayvon Collins was mocked to the Browns for, by a number of people for a few months, and that's kind of cooled off a little bit, but still some talented linebackers here.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I kind of like what they have going at linebacker right now in the current depth chart. I don't know that they, they need to add another body uh, to that linebacker room, at least in the first uh, first round or first few rounds. But the, there will be talent there. Uh, and we'll have to see which linebackers fall to twenty six. Uh, you know, there's a good chance we see Micah Parsons, Avin Collins, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa off the board at that point. Jamin Davis is an interesting name at uh, a Kentucky six, three and a half, 235 pounds, uh, one year starter. But he was really good in that one year uh, for Kentucky this past season, averaged over 10 tackles per game. Uh, had three interceptions. One, he returned back for a pick six against Tennessee, which really showed off his athleticism. Uh, and then he reminded people of that at his pro day, running a four four seven 4 in the 40-yard dash, 42-inch vert, 11 broad, just really explosive, especially for a guy that size, 33-inch arms. Can he be that Darius Leonard, that Zach Cunningham? I, I, he's got the potential to be that guy. Um, so it's the guy you think about, it's a guy that should be in the conversation. But like I said, I don't, I don't know that when you look at, uh, the, the linebackers they have on the roster, if they're not, if they're looking at that and say, you know, we're, we're in, uh, you know, our base defense is, you know, we're a lot of, a lot of nickel, a lot of dime, uh, you know, how many linebackers we're going to have on the field anyways, we only need, you know, maybe two that we feel great about. So I don't know that they need to go linebacker early, uh, even though there will be some talent there for them to consider.
0: All right. Two real quick questions for you. Rapid fire, Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts? Kyle Pitts. uh, They're two different positions.
1: Uh, Kyle Pitts is a tight end. I I wholeheartedly believe that, but uh, he's just different. He's a unicorn. He's a special player. Uh, He's going to give the Falcons a tough decision to make at number four if they take the quarterback for the long term or they take the best non-quarterback in the draft, uh, which is Kyle Pitts, in my opinion, at number four.
0: Is there a Dane Brugler bold prediction for this draft one week out? Um, well, okay. We're going to see quarter.
1: I mean, this draft is going to be all about the quarterbacks, right? So, uh, we're going to, there's a chance we're going to see quarterbacks one, two, three, four, which has never happened before. There's a quarter or a chance we're going to see five quarterbacks going to the top 10, which has never happened before. Um, but I'm also going to say that that's going to keep going. We're not done there. We're going to see seven, at least seven quarterbacks drafted in the first two rounds, which has never happened before. So with those five quarterbacks likely in the top 10, and then you factor in uh, a Davis Mills, uh, a Kellen Mond, maybe a Kyle Trask, that would be eight right there. And we've never had more than six quarterbacks go in the first two rounds. So uh, quarterback is uh, going to break uh, all, all types of records
0: this year. Just That's fine. We have a quarterback. Just let keep pushing that talent back to us. There you Everybody go. Everybody keep hopping on the quarterback train. Dane Brugler, <laughs> Appreciate your time. All the best, and we look forward to talking with you a lot more here in the coming days. Look forward to your draft coverage on The Athletic. I know you're going to be doing pick-by-pick analysis as things come down and doing a few more things at, on The Athletic uh, all draft weekend in addition to hopping on a few of our shows here and there and doing some stuff with us as well. Appreciate the time. Make sure you get uh, the copy of his draft guide, The Beast go on to theathletic.com and subscribe today. Dane, appreciate the time for more on the 2021 NFL Draft. Earlier in the week, Gribble and I had a chance to sit down with NFL Network Vice President of Production, Charlie Yook, a Ohioan via college, at least, but uh, getting ready for his seventh NFL Draft and being in the lead chair. Of the NFL Network's draft coverage. Have a watch and have a listen. And here on the best podcast available, Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, Bowling Green alum, Ohio University alum, and now we're joined by a Miami Red Hawk. We're willing to look the other way. because <laughs> He's pretty big time at the NFL Network. Charlie Yook, Vice President of Production for NFL Network, and the man that will be bringing you the 2021 NFL draft from the CLE in just days from now joins us. And Charlie, appreciate a few minutes of your time and glad to have a, uh, I, I know you weren't born and raised in Ohio, but you went to school here. So that does make you an honorary Ohio and we're happy to have you on board here today.
3: Appreciate appreciate it guys. Uh, looking forward to the draft in Cleveland uh, here shortly in 14 days.
0: Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. What have you discovered from a year ago and all the, the trials and tribulations to get a network uh, draft show up and running that can carry over to this year and beyond? What, what has the last year been like for you guys in terms of doing draft?
3: Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good starting point, Jason. Look, we're, we're hungry, right? We worked in conjunction with ESPN and ABC last year to put the draft on together. This will be NFL Network's first draft since the National draft in 2019. Uh, we're lucky and honored to be doing it in Cleveland, a passionate sports town, as you guys know, where Browns fans are gonna be rabid and they're gonna show up uh, two weeks from today. Uh, we learned a lot of things in the last year, I think, both on and off the field, right? One of the most important things I think we learned from the draft that'll carry over this year that you and your fans will see um, is that human element. Um, we're gonna have over 60 cameras right in players' homes to see those moments with their families when they get selected. Uh, all 32 teams will be represented with cameras uh, at their locations. There's going to be a, a good number of prospects in Cleveland. We're at 10 right now, hoping to get that number to about 15 or 17. Um, but I think that's family is something that we always use, right? Football is family is a phrase we use for the NFL. And I think of this last year, we all realize how important family is in general. And, I think once we join, you know, once these players join their football families and share the moment with their actual families, those are the things I think people, you know, uh, can resonate with and take home with, and those are the moments, and I think those emotions that we see on screen that that kind of go a long way, in addition to what we, you know, talk about them on the football field, it's the off-the-field stuff that kind of matters as well.
2: In the year that you've been preparing for, for this moment, like, did you kind of have, two parallel plans going into this if you had to go virtual again? Or how how did you map out your plans for this? Yeah, we actually,
3: it's a good question too, Andrew. Like we started mapping this out in May, um, not knowing what April was gonna look like. Um, And they were just thoughts, ideas. I think we, like I said, we learned a lot from that 2020 draft being virtual. Um, So a lot of those things that you see, like what did people talk about? They talked about Belichick's dog. They talked about Cliff Clingsberry's house. Um, these are the things we want to make sure that we keep uh, this year. Um, but the ideas themselves, we just wanted to get better. So when you know, your fans tune in at 8 o'clock Eastern on NFL Network on April 29th, you know, they see the tapes that are going to be great. They see the analysis they know they expect from Daniel Jeremiah, from Charles Davis, from Coach David Shaw of Stanford. They see our host Rich Eisen with this renewed passion again, doing his 17th draft, when he couldn't do last year. So these are the things that we've been in the lab kind of working on. Um, You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Joe Thomas is going to be a huge part of what we're doing for pregame on Thursday and Friday night. Uh, Joe's fired up, ready to come back home um, as one of Cleveland's favorite sons. Chris Rose, uh, Cleveland native, also a Miami, Ohio graduate. Like he's going to be there doing a lot of stuff for the Browns uh, in the community for us on NFL Network. Um, So we're just ready to go. Like I said, it's it's such an honor and a blessing to be in a sports town like Cleveland. Um, There's nothing like it that passion is going to be, you know, I think they're all week. We just got to hope for really good weather boys. Um, <laughs> but I don't even think that's going to keep anybody away in the enthusiasm we have, but we're, we're ready to go. We could do this thing tomorrow if we needed to, but we're ready and excited to put on a great show for everybody.
0: So at what point as you get ready for this draft and you, you've been putting these together since 2014 and even earlier than that, I know that you've had a, a role in it, but, in your current role really since 2014. When do things really start getting serious in terms of putting together everything that you're going to need for, I don't know, countless hundreds of players, bios, and yet keeping it informative and entertaining?
3: So when the calendar flips to 1-1 is when we start getting serious. Because as you know, you guys know, we put on, you know, not, unfortunately this year we didn't get to do the East-West Shrine game, but that's an important you know, game for us these college all-star games uh the senior bowl combine didn't happen this year but the pro uh the, the pro days were massive emphasis for us so as soon as we flip to one one that's when we start getting serious we're going to try to have every you know player uh analysis tape available we've got over 600 kids that we've got uh you know we've identified it's probably close to two thousand individual videotapes now they're all digital but we still call them videotapes um so we like, like I said, the the staff we have has been so ready to do this that I think it's it's more like let's let's show people what we can do again because we haven't done it in two years. So the XO tapes, as we call them, that you know that do the full analysis of players on the field. I've seen some of these things, guys, and like the graphics are pop, the sound effects pop, the the angles pop we really can't wait to showcase all this stuff to the, to the viewing audience because i think it's going to do a lot of things and one of the two main things it's going to tell you who the player is uh, on the field and it'll translate to what they're going to bring to your team whether it's the browns whether it's the ravens whether it's the steelers whether you know it's the broncos whoever it is um, we want to educate but we also want to entertain too because uh, it's a night that's full of hope right everyone hopes that this next player is the next you know x y or z so that's what we want to do and i think we're ready to do it
2: What's the biggest thing that changed for you personally, when they started taking the draft on the road to these different locations and and maybe what's the, what's the biggest challenge that goes into these kind of broadcasts? I think the
3: first thing is identifying where do you want to be? So we take the lead from the league, um, you know, as far as where the main set location is this year, it's right in between the stadium and the science center, which I think it's going to be a little windy, but they, and then they understand that, but um, you know, we identify that's going to be the main set area. We call that the theater set. And then we, We need to know where do we want to have a secondary set, an alternate set. We can do a bunch of other stuff. So this year we're going to be, um, we're calling it the garage set. It's the outdoor set. It's above the parking lot that kind of faces towards the lake. Um, So that's where like uh, Joe Thomas and Chris Rose will be on Thursday and Friday. Um, And then identifying other places where we can showcase stuff. So whether it's rock and roll hall of fame for red carpet arrivals on Thursday, whether we're using the stadium like we are for Ian Rappaport or insider on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we just want to make sure we can showcase Uh, the city itself because that's one of the most important things once we got in the model of hey we're going to go to different towns and different cities uh, make the draft really a traveling circus how do we make sure that 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 home city is a character in what we're doing so it started in chicago in 2015 i think we've learned a lot since then Um, so now as we look at 2021 in cleveland it's it's not just one of those things where you just assume it's going to happen cleveland's a huge part of what we want to do that's why we shot so much stuff already one thing we missed, though, I couldn't believe we missed. We got to shoot. You got, you got tell me if it's going to be good. Is the Christmas Story house? We didn't shoot that yet, so we got to do that. But I think everything else we've kind of got banked and we're ready to go, as long as weather holds. Like I said, um, the Cleveland's going to be a super important character, and it's identifying those things, um, those places we need to be and, and want to be when we had, when we get to a new city.
2: I, I got to ask, when you look back at last year, I imagine you were pretty close to done in the planning process for Vegas when when the planning had to go. And is that something you can pick up? again, when you guys go to, when the league goes to Vegas uh, in a couple of years or do you start fresh when you do? No, we're, the good thing is a lot of our plans should remain the
3: same. So, um, but as you guys know, the, that's just the framework, everything internally, that's, that's what's gonna separate what we do and what anyone else does. And that's what we take great pride in, in that our analysts, our hosts, our producers, our researchers, everybody from top to bottom, um, this is a passion project for them. You know, you only get so many moments right in general to showcase what you can do and opportunity when this comes like this, we want to take advantage of it. So with Vegas, once Cleveland's done, by by no means are we looking past Cleveland right now, but at least it'll be a little easier knowing where we're going to be in Vegas. Open invitation for you guys to come out to Vegas uh, in 2022. Uh, but um, yeah, th- those plans will be a little easier as we move ahead. Uh, you know, Kansas city's a site for 2023 and 2024 is open right now, but uh, Kansas City's going to get a little more, probably eyeballs on it just because we haven't looked at it yet. But um, Vegas, we're, we're in a pretty comfortable spot, knowing that uh, there are certain locations identified. You'll see it on the strip and everything else for those of that, that are familiar with Vegas. So, But, you know, our focus solely remains right now on Cleveland. We want to make sure we bring the best show, not just in on site, but for,
0: for the viewers as well. NFL Network Vice President of Production, Charlie Yook, joins us here on the best podcast available with Gibbs and Gribbs. Night two, night three or day three, I should say, you know, so much made of day one and everything that goes into that. And, you know, most fans, they'll know those names night two, day three, a little bit different. How do you go about figuring out and again, making it entertaining and just for the casual fan to want to watch those two days of the draft, which for Browns fans, night two is going to be pretty important. I think this year.
3: Yeah, look, it's, uh, what we got to do is be able to tell stories and we got to draw a motion. And how do you do that? And the way we think about that first is it's the crop of players will always decide how the narrative goes. If the players aren't resonating, we can't help that. But where we can help that is with our announcers. So on Friday night, when the ball tips at 7 o'clock Eastern, on that April 30th on NFL Network, you're going to see Rich Eisen. You're going to see Daniel Jeremiah. You're going to see Charles Davis. You're going to see Joel Klatt. You'll see Chris Rose, you'll see Peter Schrager, you'll see Ian Rappaport, you'll see Melissa Stark. I mean, it's an army of people that have been preparing since, like I said, last May that are ready to put on a great show. Um, and we've got every angle covered, you know, Rich is the utmost host. Uh, Daniel is as prepared as any draft analyst there's out there. Charles Davis does NFL games all year long. And Joel is the lead college football guy for Fox. So we've got that perfect harmony, I think, of every base covered. Ian, you know, has, is going to break news at some point. Um, We're going to go to him. Melissa will handle the interviews on stage. And for a little bit, you know, of of, of a different kind of view of it, we've got Chris Rose with Peter Schrager from everyone's familiar with good morning football. You know, he's clued into all 32 teams as well. So we think we got a bite of every apple here to make Friday interesting. And then Saturday on May 1st, when it goes from 12 to seven on NFL network. Yeah. Look, it's, it's easy for the casual fan to be like, it's kind of boring what's going on, but you guys know, everyone points to Tom Brady on, on pick one ninety nine. Everyone points to all these guys. You're going to find hall of famers and players who make a, you know, a contribution on this day. So it's incumbent upon us to tell the viewer, why is this pick important? Frame those things with research analysis, tapes, um, and present the best announcers that we can. And that day, again, we've got rich Eisen, Daniel Jeremiah, Charles Davis, Peter Schrager. Um, I'll take that group to war anywhere. Um, and we've got a lot of good things planned for Saturday specifically as well. You know, Run Rich Run, which has been a huge initiative for St. Jude, which is a great cause that typically runs during combine battle air uh, day three on NFL network. Um, there is a special hall of fame show. I know that's uh, you know, hall of fame near and dear to the state of Ohio that we're going to be pushing to that airs later that night as well, immediately following the draft. Um, and America's favorite segment on day three on NFL Network is back, which is stump the truck where we have our guys kind of ask the, the the wonderful tape team we got, do you have this video of this random player? And it's either yes or no. And for some reason it's always kind of trended on Twitter. That's our goal again. And it, it provides a little bit of break of just like pick, 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 which again, those are important, those recaps, but we want to have a little fun too.
2: What's the one or couple aspects of the draft coverage that may go unnoticed that, by the casual fan, that is for your source of pride, like something you guys put so much work into to just even make happen for the broadcast.
3: Yeah, I think it's the work the men and women do behind the scenes, right? The, the yeah. announcers are the famous people, but we've got, like I said, there's a there's it's a small army of people that are making all these tapes. It's five folks in LA. It's two folks in NFL Films that are putting everything together, and it's not like this this assembly line of people, like dozens and dozens of people. Honestly, it's like a handful of folks that put everything together. And those are the ones, you know, they're the ones who are putting in the effort here. And and I would say this too: our announcers, the people don't see that. They just assume they roll the ball out, right. Roll in there at seven o'clock and they're on the air. That's not the case either. Like we've got guys grinding tape watching, you know, every night, making their notes, working on talking to each other, talking to the clubs. Those guys are all as connected to all 32 teams as anyone else's um, that, but the, the fact of the matter is they're putting in the time and the effort to do this. So that's what I think that, I think people may take for granted when they just turn on the remote, they just assume things just happen. This is not a hyperbole. This has been happening since May, 2020. And Andrew, like you kind of said, like we had to be ready for variables, but we're prepared for those variables and, and I'm shocked right now, and that's rare for me to say, at some of the high production value we have of this stuff, not because I didn't think we can do it, but just because the expectations for greatness have been over. Like, they're completely over the top now, and I just can't wait to share all this stuff with everyone.
0: How have you seen Daniel Jeremiah grow? I mean, he, he was essentially the number two to Mayock, and then, and then Mike goes and becomes the GM uh, out in at the time, L.A., now Las Vegas but here's a guy that really has found his niche and from on our end, I know we love to talk to him. Uh, he breaks it down as well as anybody. How have you seen, how fun is it to see some of these guys really kind of develop as you go? Yeah, I think it's, I'm never going to be a head football coach, but it's kind of
3: identifying knowing that, Hey, your quarterback here is going to be the starter at some point. And he handled it with professionalism. He handled it with work ethic. Um, I think there were always rumors, right, that at some point Mike could get a job. Listen, there are always rumors right now with Daniel, like he's been pegged sometime. But we've, we, we identified it pretty early on. So we made sure, hey, let's give him the opportunity to showcase his skill set uh, on a stage that's worth it. And when, when we made the decision to kind of move him to that main set in Philadelphia in 2017, that kind of shifted the narrative. Uh, so by the time that Mike did leave, uh, when he was ready to take the, the number one reps, it wasn't going to be foreign to him. And look, the I, I, it sounds crazy, but it's like, I'm so proud of the work that he, he's put in and all the accolades he's getting because he worked hard at it. And like, like it's it's easy to say like, yeah, he works hard, whatever, he's good at it, but he's also a good person. And you guys know this, you've, you've talked to him. He's so clued into every single club, whether it's at the ownership GM level, um, you know, he's, he's as, as good a person there is. And that's why every any sort of success he's gotten is it makes me happy just because he's earned it. He's earned every, every bit of it. And uh, no, he's, he's pretty fired up too. I talk to him every day and he's uh, we're, we're ready not only to be in Cleveland, but like I said, he's, he's like, let's rehearse, let's rehearse. I'm like, we're, we're we're two weeks away. This was last night, like we're two weeks away. We we can figure it out. But uh, no, he's, he's putting a lot of work. He works activity is an achievement per se, but I've seen some of the stuff he's doing. And and like I said, we're, we're going to be, this is, this is, these are, I know these are vague teases, but we we are going to wow some people here, I hope.
2: And can you kind of explain the process that goes into getting the footage and inside these prospects homes and how, how that works and how that's kind of advanced now after what you guys went through last year?
3: Yeah. The good news there is that the league kind of took over that last year and it's made it easier on all the broadcast partners. So once we realized we had to be socially distant and, you know, adhere to all this health and safety rules uh, from an operation player level, um, you know, management council, they reached out to the players, the reps and just be like, hey, we always want to have an always on camera and an ability to talk back. So a lot of this stuff has already been worked out. Like we'll probably get upwards of 60, about 60 player remote homes. Um, They know that it's going to be there. It's going to be good for them. We're not trying to, you know, supersede any moment. We're not going to tip any pick. We're not there to try to, you know, damage anyone's credibility or reputation. If they, if for some reason, they slide, we're there really to show a celebratory moment of a huge moment. How many people get drafted in the NFL. Uh, we want to share that moment with that not only that player, their family, that fan base. Um, so it's worked out pretty well. The technical part of it, man, there's so many more people smarter than me that know how to figure that stuff out from like two different iPhones or two different smaller cameras. But it works, uh, and I think unless you guys are telling me. I think that's a very enjoyable part of the broadcast for a lot of viewers, just seeing those emotional moments with their families going to, you know, the Browns.
0: Again, NFL Network first-round coverage comes your way Thursday night, April 29th at 8 p.m. Rich Eisen, Daniel, Jeremiah, Charles Davis, David Shaw, Kurt Warner, Joel Klatt, Rapsheet, Melissa Stark, and then uh, Friday Friday night, uh, Eisen, Jeremiah, Davis, and Klatt. And then Chris Rose, Peter Schrager, Rap Sheet, Melissa Stark. I know uh, I know, our guy, Joe Thomas, will be part of the pre-show. And then Saturday, Eisen, Jeremiah, Charles Davis, and, of course, P. Schrags will join us as well. Before we let you go, uh, Charlie Yook, is there a moment that stands out to you? Is there, is there a favorite moment in terms of doing this for the last however many years you've been doing it? that stands out to you? I think it's the most recent one we did uh,
3: that we were able to do in Nashville just in 2019. I think the, 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 the fairest way to say it, when things were normal and seeing a half a million people up and down Broadway on that strip and having that long camera shot. Um, hopefully one, you know we're gonna get back to one of those days, uh, which I think we will. Um, but that moment still sticks out just because of the, the massive humanity and the celebrations we had that night Um, I think it's not going to be as crowded uh, for obvious reasons uh, in two weeks, but I think all of us here know Cleveland's going to show up. Uh, They're going to be ready to go. And I think we're going to have some of those type of same moments as well. And I, I I, honestly, we can't wait.
0: Well, uh, uh, the pride of Miami. I know that uh, everybody's proud of all you've accomplished down there and, From two other Maction guys, uh, we love it. And I I look forward to having some Maction all weekend. Yeah. It's going to be a great show guys. Thanks for having me on. You got it. NFL network vice president of production, Charlie Yook spending a few minutes with us. Charlie best wishes in uh, NFL networks coverage. Thanks to NFL network vice president of production, Charlie Yook for a few minutes of his time. Gribs, it's going to be quite the setup. Let's hope the weather cooperates. And, uh, quite the undertaking that nfl network's doing after a year of all virtual it's going to be a little virtual it's going to be a lot in person though the commissioner will be here in one week from now he will be on the stage uh, announcing draft picks for the nfl yeah
2: draft. it's not going to be what cleveland could bring to its full potential but it's going to be something and i think that's that's going to be kind of a a tentpole event as we get as close to normal as we possibly can going in 2021. Cleveland deserves it. It's, it's a city that's loved the draft for years. And thankfully you get the draft in a year where you don't need it as much as you did it in the past.
0: Yeah. It's not a bad thing to be picking 26th. And if yeah. we're a couple spots further down next year, I'd be even happier. So it's definitely something to watch. A lot is going to happen here in the coming days. We are one week out from the draft. Next week, we will come to you on Tuesday in advance of the 2021 NFL draft. It's our final look at the draft before it all happens and all shakes out. And then obviously comprehensive coverage in the weeks following on the best podcast available. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel for all of his hard work. Thanks to Dane Brugler doing an outstanding job joining us and really some in-depth knowledge. Learned a lot uh, on this week's podcast with Dane Brugler. And of course, Charlie Yook, the NFL Network Vice President of Production and the brains behind what you're going to see next week. On NFL Network, you can like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcasts, or by logging on to clevelandbrowns.com. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. Gribble is a YouTube sensation. Last week, YouTube.com/slash/browns. Frandu Gribble. I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.